fundraisers. I'm Don Lego, and it's time once again to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impacts in our communities, building better tomorrows, and exchanging ideas. So, whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising, and together we'll dive into lively conversations and chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. Um, If you've been with us before, thank you, thank you, thank you for making the show so popular. Um, We're going to hear soon how we fared in the uh, podcast awards, and we really appreciate all of your support. If you're new to the show, well, Follow us on any podcast channel. We're on all of them. So you can get uh, updates and um, all of our episodes and enjoy uh, some really great thought leaders like the one that we have with us today. I am actually can't wait to get started because I'm just, I don't know, is anybody out there into like disc profiles and all of those personality tests and love language and um the i think it's called the clifton gap i know angie angie woods would be very disappointed in me because she really loves um the um Clifton Gallup strength assessment. Did I get yes, that right? You got it right. Oh, yeah. there's my, there's our thought leader that's it came to my rescue. So Angie Woods is um, our uh, head of our people and culture here at One Cause. And we all went through the Clifton Gallup strength assessment. Oh, great. I just find all this stuff so, so fascinating. But how it translates to nonprofit universe is you really need some of these insights to yourself and to your team to understand where you where you need help and where you shine and um, how to have a good dynamic. And oh, my gosh, we have Beth Napleton with us. She is the CEO of Beth Napleton Consulting. And we're going to take a deep dive into the Clifton Gallup Strength Assessment. If you haven't taken it, you want to. She's going to tell us why. But Beth, welcome to Raise Nation Radio. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Don. Well, we want you to get to know our audience and for our audience to get to know you. So, you know, just a title and a company, that's not good enough. Can you share uh, a little bit about yourself, um, about your company, what you do professionally day to day and whatever you want to share with us personally? We'd love to hear it. Absolutely. So I am currently a leadership coaching consultant. I have my own organization. I'm a certified Gallup Strength Coach, which is a part of what I do. And so I'm excited to dig into that part today. And I also work with leaders when they need some extra time, capacity, or perspective to get through some of the growing pains that inevitably happen when you're working with a growing nonprofit or school. And so I've been in education-related spaces for 25 plus years. I founded and led my own charter school network, which involved a lot of fundraising. So I wish that I had known about Raise Nation back then, although I'm not I'm not sure you were around 10 plus years ago. <laughs> we were, and we, we came on the market about three years ago. So yes, we're 100 we, episodes we, strong, though. <laughs> we were ships in the night. I was exiting my school and you were coming in, which I think is great because I think the ability to fundraise successfully is so important to being able to do the programmatic priorities that you want and to meet the needs that are just always growing in so many spaces and communities through the country. And so... Um, yeah, I, I have been doing this and I work with folks in an individual capacity. I do some coaching. I do some coach salting 
where I work with folks as a combination of coach and consultant. And I'll say through it all, I always orientate with a strength-based orientation. And part of that's because I'm a Gallup coach, but I, I got to Gallup. I always joke, I like did the bootleg version for 15 years. I had read some of the books about now discover your strengths and why it's important to lead with strengths. I kind of like hodgepodge together. This might sound familiar to any nonprofit leaders out there, like some chart paper and the chapters on the book. And I like made up some trainings for my team on it. And I did that consistently for a number of years before I finally decided in 2020, you know what, I should actually go get certified. I'm fascinated by this. And I think that it has been in every position I've led in, it has really helped shine a light on what people do well. And when you do that, people start to recognize what they do well. They start to think about approaching their problems differently. Work becomes invigorating and inspiring instead of draining. And so I think that there's just so much power to be un- like to be gotten when we unlock our strengths, both as ourselves and for our teams and the people that we lead. So I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah. And I think it also changes the perspective on weaknesses because weaknesses are not really a negative anymore. They're just not the strength and capitalize on your strength and you know, where you're not strong. So we're going to get into all of this. I'm fascinated too. Like, and I really think this helps us as leaders and, you know, in nonprofit world, we need to be those fearless leaders. So this is, I mean, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, um, DISC. I love all these. I love it all. I love it all. Love languages. All of these. I love a good personality test from like the Cosmo variety to the oh, yeah, for sure. things. Like oh, I just yeah. think that it helps us become more self-aware and help us learn more about ourselves and like what's not to enjoy about that. Right. I even wrote a quiz. I have it on my website for people. It's like a two minute quiz. Oh, on you do? Oh, I got to yeah. take it. Wait, yeah, so you, ha- you wrote a quiz and it's on your web. Where are we going to, f- I'll put this That's in the show notes, but yeah. where do we find it? I'm going to take so it after this. If you go to leadership-quiz.com, it'll redirect okay. you to my website. Which it's a two minute quiz. So this is not nearly the research, the decades of backing of Gallup strength, but I just yeah. think it's always fun. You're Looking at a question, it helps you consider how you feel, how you answer is data, and it helps you think about this as you, you know, go about your day-to-day and the challenges that face you. So it's wow. I am with you. Any good personality test, anything yep. in this realm, I just think it's so Obsessed. great. It's so fun. For sure. <laughs> well, we'll drop that in the show notes for our listeners and you can have fun with this uh two-minute test. But yeah. Uh, I know here at One Cause, um, our head of our people and culture, Angie Woods, who's just a phenomenal human being, and um, she's into this as well. We should have invited her to this podcast. She has <laughs> we could do another through, episode. We'll do it. Yeah. Oh, oh for yeah. sure. She would love it. She's gone through the Clifton Gallup Strength Assessment with with my team, not my team, but the, the marketing team that I'm on and, and all of my peers in marketing. And it was fascinating. Um and I know she's done it some with some other teams here at One Cause. So I think we need to start at the beginning, though. Not everybody's familiar. Um, can you just explain what the Clifton Gallup Strength Assessment is and give us some background there, just so we can get our audience Absolutely. up to speed? Sure. Absolutely. So in the nineteen, so Gallup, the organization where you hear about like presidential polling and the big survey data corporation, started doing some research in the fifties and sixties kind of thinking about, you know, why are people different? Why does this lead to this way? Are there things that we can use to correlate? What is this about? And they started doing like really psychological research. And what they came up with that really emerged in the 80s and 90s was that there are these 34 strengths in it that exist. They fall into four domains, relationship building, strategic planning, influencing, and executing. And so basically, there's roughly eight or nine strengths in each 
And we all have some combination of these strengths. And there's an interesting, you know, you, you might be born with inclinations towards some, and then you use it like a muscle and it gets stronger and it rises to the top of your list. And it talked about how you can, uh, they developed a series of tests so that you can go online, you can buy a Gallup Fifth and Strength Assessment. Um, you can either see your top five or your full 34. And it will, you know, you answer questions, they'll have statements and you have to basically answer on a scale of that sounds 100% like me and that's not me at all. So I need a lot of context to move forward on a project. I spend time daydreaming about the future. These are not like right or wrong answers. It just, is it you or is it not you? And you answer them and they have all these ways tested so that, you know, they can make sure where the themes come out and, and it will spit out a report that tells you, here's where you're the strongest. Here's one of which one of those four domains they're in. And here's what you might need. And here's what you might bring. And it is amazing because as human beings, we are so hardwired to see the deficits, to see the weaknesses, to see what needs to be better. And I think that happens internally for people that happens externally. And it's probably the reason that like the human race has evolved, right? Is like we could see the threats on the horizon and like run away from the saber tooth tiger. And so it's not our fault that we tend to be deficit focused. But what Gallup found through all their research is that, look, people have a limited amount of time and energy. It's finite. And when you put those into your weaknesses, you will get better. But if you put them into your strength, it's almost an infinite return on investment. And so they really started doing a lot of work around what would happen if people focused on their strengths and thought about you know, um, solving their problems and with their strengths, aiming their strengths with their challenges. And they found that people were more connected, felt better about themselves, felt more successful. And so I think there was a lot of great research around it. And so they've done, there's a bunch of books, there's a bunch of trainings. I did like 40 hours of training to be a coach where I learned about all the different domains and how they work. But it's a great exercise to use with teams, not only to take as an individual, but also so that you can now, as a team, you have common language. It points out sometimes things that we see, um, sometimes themes just contrast each other. And so, you know, for example, one of the things I had to do when I was becoming certified was to strength coach people I knew. So I strength coached my dad. And so what was super fascinating is that my number one strength is activator, which is literally like ready, fire, aim. It's about contagious enthusiasm and starting things. And I could look back at my personal and professional life and absolutely see a pattern of this is what I did. A couple of things were true. Number one, I thought everyone thought that way. And that is often true of how your, your top three strengths it is just how you see the world. And so you think, who doesn't have contagious enthusiasm? Who wouldn't want to start an organization or a school? There are plenty of people out there who are like, no, thank you. That is not for me. But because of my activator, I bring this to whatever I approach. And that's inspiring and influences others. My father is deliberative as his number one strength, which means that you need to really consider all options before making a decision. So all of a sudden, 40 plus years of conflict between us and how we approach decisions just became so clear because it's like, he's not wrong. I'm not wrong, but I'm ready to jump right in. And he really needs to take his time to fully consider all sides of an issue. And so it's like, okay, right. Like that, when you, when you have that realization on a team, you can just say, oh, absolutely. So it's not that we're that different. It's that we approach things differently. We have different strengths. So now I know if I'm thinking about say, making a big life decision or making a big purchase or getting a dog, I'll call my father and be like, help me think this through. Because I know that I'm like, a dog would be so great. It'd be so wonderful. It'd be so great. Who's going to take it out at night? You're a single mom. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And it can help me slow down. And so we now have a common language. We understand what people bring to the table. And we can talk about it in a way that helps our relationship get better and helps us just be more effective in living our lives. 
Now the 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 um assessment itself is something it's it's a paid assessment, right? I mean it's not it's not free. Yeah, no, it's not free. Yeah. You can there's a book, I think the newest version of the book is called something like Strength Finders 2.0. It's one of those books you can read in an hour. It gives you maybe a 30 to 50 page overview of what it is in the research. And then it has like a little chapter on each strength. And some of those people just read the chapters on theirs. That book comes with a code that you can redeem online to take the assessment. And so I always like to recommend that to people because it gives them a little bit of context. Mm. And also it gives you a code anyway. And so I've had people go to like a used bookstore, buy one for five bucks. It still has the code in it. There you go. I mean, at your own risk, people, at your own risk. But, um, or you can just go online and usually it's so interesting with my clients. I'll often tell them, Hey, I'm going to actually send it to you as if the top five, which I think is like 20 or $30. Um, and then later once we can, so we'll do a session, we'll debrief it. We'll talk about where it showed up in their life, what resonates. Then I'll say, now let's unlock the full 34. Because what happens every time, Don, if I say, let's unlock the full 34 first is people send me an email and they make a comment about number 34. I, I, oh, I'm so happy. You go right to 34. Why does that bottom? I did that myself when I got my report. And this is not like a simple report. We're talking charts and graphs and your top five. And then I think think they break it down another level. I mean, it's like, yeah, all it's over very the comprehensive. place. Mm-hmm. It's super comprehensive. It's like pages and pages long. But don't you know, I couldn't wait and get that email from Angie. Here's your, you know, skill mm-hmm. assessment. I went right to 34. It was the first thing. Oh I my gosh. Look at me. And that's, I think it's just human. It's just human, right? I think we're taught to look out for our, our weaknesses. We're, ta- we're not, and not taught like, like biologically ingrained because look, this helps us survive right? I have to kind of be looking out for what what could really hurt me, what could harm me. And so it really does require, and that's a lot of my work with clients, like really reorienting, like this is a strength. And sometimes people will say, but it just, it comes so easy. How could this even be a strength? Everybody can be a strategic planner like this. No, 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 you're strategic. That means you can zoom up to 20,000 feet, no problem, see the options. It's like a three-dimensional map in your head. And I'm sitting there and that is not my strength. And so I've learned to go to people on my team and say, hey, your strategic strength. I'm thinking about doing X, Y, Z. What do you think? Or what should I see? What am I not seeing around the corner? On where do I go? And so it, it kind of takes in organizations, we need a variety of strengths, right? We don't want teams that are all strengths alike because it leads us to some imbalance. And so it helps us see that, hey, there's actually like a lot of, like we actually need all these strengths together. And instead of berating myself for not being able to do it, I can actually go to someone else or yeah. I can take what are my strengths and use them in a different way. Right. I can use them and say, okay, how do I aim this here? How do I think about this? I'm so curious. I'm like wondering what your top five are. I have some guesses. I always have guesses, but <laughs> it's like no, maybe while we're on this, I can pull mine up. I, I, I know there's, um, there was a lot in strategy. Um, mm-hmm. and actually we had one person on our team. I, I won't mention names just in case she doesn't want to make it public, but was all in that one bucket of yeah. strategy it was very, very interesting. And what I loved about what Angie did for us here for our marketing team was that she layered over the strengths. First, she layered over everybody's top five and mm-hmm. then layered over everybody's, I guess. Top 10, you know, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can see what was nice is how we have a very well-rounded department. Um, yeah. Let me tell you, shout out and props to the marketing department at One Cause because we we push out a lot of content, a lot of work, a lot of great marketing. And I think one of the reasons is because when you look at our engine, you know, we're all over the place with our skills. Yes. 
placement. We we filled in that whole that whole uh, chart there, so it's pretty pretty exciting uh, to see. Well, I want to help. I want to switch gears a little bit and help um, all of the fearless fundraisers out there that are listening. They're in lots of leadership roles. They're talking, they're stewarding their donors. They're Mm -hmm. talking to their board of directors. They're managing volunteers. They're speaking. They're on stage, mission moments, events. Oh my gosh. They're leading so, they're leading communities. It's not Mm -hmm. just their, Mm -hmm. you know, two or three person staff. Um, And they're typically understaffed and under-resourced. So how can all of this information how can a, a, a fundraiser, a, a, a leadership fundraiser, that wasn't the right, you know what I mean. Yes, How can yes, they take wonder, all yes. of this information and level up their skills and bring more value to the organization and their mission? That's a big yes. question to unpack there, but I know you yes. can do this, Beth. Well, I think the first thing to state is that there is no profile of strength that is best for a leader, a fundraiser, a lead fundraiser. Now I'm getting all tangled out of that. A leader in fundraising. There's no, everyone says, what's the profile for a CEO? What's the profile for this? And there's just not. And Gallup will say to you again and again, and they, and they say, people always want to do this in hiring. What's the profile strength at work? And the reality is every, there, there is a way to be successful in any role with a combination of strengths. And so the example I always like to use is teacher because everybody's been to school and had a teacher. You likely had some teachers who were very strong in a lot of the relationship building domains. They were warm. You felt connected. You, I would do anything for my third grade teacher, Miss Lipka. I was just, I just felt I adored her. She really built those relationships and I was able to be successful because I really want to do that for her. I had other teachers who were very strategic. They knew their content. They knew what was going. They knew what you needed in sixth grade. They knew this is why we're going to do dictation in the beginning of the year so that that way you can get there by sixth grade. We have to take it orally. And that really allowed me to thrive, right? Other teachers are influencers. They're charming and you want to be a part of them and you want to kind of, you know, buy what they're selling. And that can get, you know, that got me to love biology, right? I went pretty mad because I think that my biology teacher in high school was an influence and I like fell under his spell. And then I found out I actually didn't love biology as much. I did not go pre-med. And then there's also executing, right? Boom, boom, boom. Teachers are on it. They're there. They're ready to roll. They're going to get this done. And so there's a million, and I had a variety of those teachers. You had a variety of those teachers all of them can be successful. And it's the same thing in any role. And so I think the key is, and this is where it's switching this, because we do have these archetypes in our minds. Oh, but this is what a great fundraiser looks like. They can dazzle a room. They, you know, love meeting new people. And there are certainly some things that probably help, just like given whatever the particulars of your role are. If you if you don't like meeting new people, and that is a key part of your job, right? That is going to be hard, but you can still aim your strengths at it. Maybe you are in that executing mode and you're an achiever and you're like, well, I need to meet, you know, 20 new people a week. And if I can cross off those 20, that really feeds me and makes me feel good. Even if I don't actually enjoy the 20 people I meet as much, maybe you're really strategic and think I'm actually going to go to this event where I can meet a bunch of people at once because I know that this drains my energy. So I'm going to go to this round table. I'm going to meet 25 people. My goal is to pass out this many business cards or whatever it is. And so I think that it is about a lot of times my first session with a client is about just knowing more about the strength. Some of them are pretty clear from what their name. Some of them aren't clear. There's a lot about what does this mean you need, right? And so sometimes people will recognize like, oh, right, I don't get that in my current role, right? And that's hard for me. How can I rely? How can I, how can I bring this out in my workplace? And then there's also a piece on what can you, um, how do you then think about once you understand what your strengths are and what they mean, how do you aim them at your challenges, right? Well, I'm thinking about how to reach this fundraising goal. I'm thinking about 
Um, our donor system is a mess and needs to be fixed. How do I think about this? And we talk about let's like define the challenge and now let's aim your strengths at it. And the way you solve it might look differently based on what your strengths are, but all strengths can lead to a path of solving it, if that makes sense. Hmm. I pulled up my Ooh. <laughs> I was doing that while you were chatting. So maybe we can use me as as an example. Do, do you want to take a guess? I don't want to be spotted, but no, 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 no. I mean, we just met like 30 minutes ago, but I, I would not be surprised if in your top 10, you have some orange, which used to, or I, the colors might've changed, which is influencing because I think of the format here, anything there. I do have two orange. So okay. no, be the top five. Yeah. Tell me the top five. Okay. Achiever. Oh yeah. Ideation. Futuristic. Strategic and relater. Those are my top five. Wow. You know, what's so interesting about relater, even from just this brief conversation we have is if you could sum up relater in one sentence, it is enjoys working hard with friends to reach a goal. And the way that you've talked about the marketing team, you've talked about Angie, you've given them shout outs, that screams relater to me. And so I'm not surprised, okay. but it's like interesting that even in our brief interaction, I'm like, oh yeah, I see those threads of relater coming out just in how you, and you might think, who doesn't like that? Who wouldn't want that? Plenty of people. <laughs> and it doesn't mean, you know, you might not have relater in your top five and you still enjoy that. It doesn't mean like this is always one piece of the puzzle, but that is something that I kind of saw rising to the surface there. So interesting. So then the orange is in the top 10. So that if we go on to from six mm-hmm. to 10, it's responsibility, significance, competition, focus, and individualization. Oh, interesting. Yes. You said competition kind of funny. What was, what came up for you with that? Yeah, because I don't think of myself as a competitive person at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe I am. Yeah, maybe, maybe I am. I mean, I do like I don't know. I compete with myself. Like I, I really mm-hmm. want to be the best version of myself, put out the best product mm-hmm. project. Right. But I don't know that I necessarily feel like I need to beat someone. Like it's just competing mm-hmm. within myself. So I think maybe that that's, I don't know. I think of competition as cutthroat. I don't know why. So I, yeah, I did scrimmage a little when I said that. Um, so if I was a fundraiser and mm-hmm. in a leadership role there, how would I like apply some of these? Like what, what, where would I go with this information? How do I make this inf- information practical and, you know, actionable? Yeah. So what I would say is, I mean, we could pick up challenge and say, okay, you've got this particular challenge. Let's aim at this. But a few things that I would say that came out of this is I would say, okay, so one of your strengths is futuristic. People who are futuristic are very good at imagining like almost in a realistic, you hologrammed yourself there, right? Like what things might be like in a year or where this might mean or where you might go. This is very difficult for people like me who don't have futuristic. And so you have a real value to add. You know, we're sitting here, we're in an interesting economic time with inflation and is there a recession and the war where people might be very worried and you can sit around a table with people and say, well, it could be like this. This is really what I can imagine happening. If inflation continues to rise, are people going to be wanting to spend the money on XYZ? Are we going to see major gifts affected? Um, you know, where are those pieces? And so you might be able to, I have somebody on my team who's futuristic. And even today we were in a meeting about like a system that we're using internally. And she basically was like, but in a year, I think that we're going to be really uh, like annoyed if we didn't do this now, because we're not going to be able to see the company and the prospect. And it, she was totally right. And I was like, let's just get this done. Come on, come on, come on, wait, like, let's go. And so I think that's a real gift there. Yes, I think, what was your that, number that one? Was. 
Yes, exactly. And it, it's like that, that illuminates, that makes us stronger. It helps us figure out the best strategy forward. Um, I think, what was your number one again? Achiever. Oh, achiever. Achiever is so interesting. So I love, I work with a lot of achievers and number one piece of advice, achievers can bring a tremendous drive. They have an unbelievable, um, stamina, right? They're very motivated by goals. And often one of the frictions that happens, and if we were in a coaching conversation, I might say, have you seen this happen? Is this described to you? Because you're your own person with your own journey. And so it may or may not be true. But speaking more broadly, because I'm sure there are many achievers listening, one of the things that can happen is that people will, um, you you can kind of, you know, go for 100 miles and other people get pooped out after 50. And that can be very frustrating to you because your stamina is really a piece of it. And so one, sometimes just recognizing like I can go, I have a, I can, when I'm motivated towards the goal, I can go super hard and know this. And two, with my achievers, often they come to me and say, I never have time to go to my yoga class. I never have time to do this. Like I'm working so hard. I'm so motivated. Like, I just feel like it's very hard for me to get this work-life balance. And we talk about how do you apply your achiever mentality to that? When you say, here are my goals for the week, put down going to yoga three times. Because if an achiever, you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And so the key is being really discerning about what you put on that list as a goal. Because once you commit to it as a goal, you will kind of just continue to go. So the the key is everything can't be... If you keep just adding to that pile without being discerning, right? It just becomes... It, 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 even with the stamina of an achiever, it gets hard to keep up with it at some point. And so I think that that's where, you know, as a fundraiser, achievers are going to meet their goals. I think the question I'm always thinking is like, at what cost? (laughs) And so we want to do this in a way that is not going to cost you your, you know, health, (laughs) your sanity, right? And so that's like, okay. And so sometimes achievers will also say, great, so let's have a, let's have a goal. Let's have a stretch goal. Let's have a super stretch goal. And you need to meet your goal. That is what we need to run the organization and everything else is gravy. And so that can be helpful for achievers because even though the stretch goal might really motivate and inspire them, they might burn the candle at both ends and it kind of cuts off their ability to be effective. So I don't know if any of this resonates or kind of... Oh, totally. I feel like... (laughs) And we really, truly, you know, we chatted a little bit before this um, interview, before the show, and that's really all the insight that you had into me and you're like yes. nailing it. It's amazing. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Now I'm looking at this report. It is 25 pages. So I think that the, it's such a, it's such a wise investment because mm-hmm. it really helps you understand your, your team dynamics. So I think this is a great question for you, Beth is, you know, you're the CEO of a company, you have to hire talent, you have to build a team, you have to, you have to get stuff done. So how important is it to you or how do you leverage this to make sure that you're building out the team so that you're covering all 34 strengths? Is it something that yeah. you use? And how do you recommend to do that? So I would say, number one, you don't need every single strength covered. You need every bucket represented evenly, generally. Now, it depends. If you're part of a strategic planning team, you probably will be more strategically inclined than the team that is out and there's four um, buckets, yeah. right? You said there's, there's four, four buckets. buckets. Yes. Okay. Influencing relationship building, um, influencing relationship building. That's right. Okay. Executing. So like mm-hmm. sometimes people will say, I work with a team. So sometimes I'll do PD with teams where I help them interpret the results and pair them up. And we do, you know, a series of meetings to help them understand this. And, you know, people will say, but we don't have this one. And it's like, but you have these other ones. And some of them look very, some of them very similarly in your life. It's the internal motivations that are different. So com- actually, it's interesting. You have both competition and achiever. Because those show up, I texted a friend when I was going through a chain and I was like, 
I really feel like you a thousand percent have achiever. And it turned out that she had competition, but it looks the same on the outside because it's very driven to meet their goal. It's very clear. The difference is you kind of alluded to this with competition In competition. You always like to know where you stand either against yourself in the past, against other benchmarks. It's hard to be a competition strength and not have a sense of some of like norming. Is this good? Is this bad? Where am I at? Whereas achiever, it's just about achieving. It, it doesn't matter as much if other, you know, what other people do or how other organizations are doing. And so I think that I recommend as a leader. And when I ran this, the charter school that I founded, we did this in the beginning. And then I did it like two years in a row at the beginning of the year. We everyone would go through and explore and we talk about. And I stopped doing it. I was like, we have some new staff, but we've kind of done this. I think we've got this. And what I learned the hard way, so I always share with other leaders is this is valuable to do on a regular cadence, no matter what, because the next year, even if my strengths are the same, I'm going to still, I'm going to bring a new year's worth of perspective to inform it. I'm going to be able to dig a little bit deeper into my own understanding of it. I'm going to be able to look at that new teammate and say, wow, this is what you bring to the table. And nobody ever complains about meetings <laughs> that are about talking about what they're good at. Nobody ever thinks it's yeah, too long. Yeah, Everybody always true. thinks it's not long enough, right? This is the greatest meeting we've had because you're sitting in your strengths. And as humans, we just don't do this, right? Like we're, we're not yeah. good at this generally. And so I think that I always recommend to people, you know, you and you could do it. I did it as a bootleg version. I read the book. I made the charts. You don't need a coach. You can hire someone to facilitate who has this expertise if that's helpful. But I think that what's important and what I would tell a CEO is that it's helpful to revisit on a regular basis with your team. What are you good at and how are you using this? Because you're giving them permission as a leader to focus on those places. You're helping them think expansively. You're recognizing what they do well. And you're helping people recognize what each other do, does effectively. And so I think that that is really helpful. And then as you bring in new team members, you can incorporate that as you go through. Now, it's super interesting. I hired an assistant. Uh, my assistant just took the assessment. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was very much hoping that my assistant would have a lot of executing strength. I do not have any, exec- I have one executing in my top 10. And I need somebody who can go, go, go in the executing. And she does not have as many executing as I hoped, but she has a lot of relationship building. So this has given me the insight as her manager. And I'll work lots of times one-on-one with managers to say, great. So I know that she is someone who is organized and thoughtful and can get it done. And I am going to really lean into our relationship and the connecting time with us and how we are to help and, and for her to feel connected to our clients to help make sure that the tasks get done and she's executing. And she's been fantastic and hasn't dropped any balls or anything. But I think that's just one way to show of how you can kind of start to think about and use this knowledge as you go through. So yeah, um, I, mean, I could talk about this forever. <laughs> oh, so can I. I remember once, um, and you say like bootleg versions are okay too. Of course, there was nothing. Quite... I did bootleg versions for 15 yeah. years. You know, yeah, we were on I, a very tight budget. I took the book. I mean, you can make a little grid in Excel. It has everyone's names in a row in the top and the top. Or we can hire your strength. company, right? Your company. You can hire me and I'll do yeah, it for you. you and don't worry about it. And then you can participate, which is always good. You're not worried about this. You get to you know, luxuriate your own strengths as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember once in my career, um, we had we had rough team dynamics. We had one person on the team where there was just a lot of friction with. Thank goodness it wasn't me. I'm not talking about myself here. But there was just one person on the team. Everyone had friction. And what we ended up doing was a day in the life of, which is mm. kind of like, and um, and we kind of looked into some type of profile. I don't remember what we leveraged. It was a number of years ago, but we understood that this person was extremely process oriented. 
extremely. And, you know, she would die on the sword for it. And, and why? And we recognized she was actually our designer. And mm. we recognized that she had things coming at her morning, noon and night. I need this yesterday. I need this yesterday. I need this yesterday. And, you know, so she would have her cup of coffee in her hand. And at the end of this meeting, we all got her mm-hmm, better mm-hmm. and understood and went from like, oh my God, complaining about her to, oh my God, you know, like we really need to, it, it was on us a little bit. We more. can, res- if was- we respect the process, yes. we will have less friction because and of we how, did. how she's wired. Oh, I'm so glad to hear. Our I dynamic changed. And yeah. I think that's what this is all about. It's really just making the most of your team and their strengths and, and how different people, you know, work together. Cause you're right. You hit the nail on the head. I am the achiever part of me and the stamina. I can go, go like, I just think everybody's like that. So somebody's mm-hmm. you know, figuring out, I'm like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> okay, like go get a cup of coffee and come back where I need to respect. We're all different people and you have to respect like a person might need to rest and recharge and that's okay too. Right. So. Right. Right. And I think it's hard because when it's in your top three, especially, and to a certain extent, you're five and you're 10, it gets more. So the, I think there's like a range between like seven and 13 where you're actually able to say, oh, this is a strength of mine and I'm good at this. But there's some that just come so easily to you. You just think this is the way everyone is because Everybody we only is. stand in our own shoes. And so that's where it is helpful to have it pointed out, to think about it. You know, I've worked with this organization. I was I was just talking about, I worked with them um, a number of years in a row where it's like, we meet at the retreat. We do some stuff there. It's always a part of it. We'll revisit. And I think that people say, I'm, I'm always coming away with new pieces. And, you know, 76% of people who take the assessment, their top five might switch places, but stay the same. 24%. Oh, really? your strength might change. So I've taken the assessment three times. Um, And and, you know, you don't, if you do it every year with your team, people usually don't retake the assessment, right? You can kind of, it's good for three or four years, but I've taken it three times and gotten totally different results because I have, you know, one of them, I was in the planning stages of a school. And then my one, once I had been running the school because I was working out different muscles, right? It was if I had switched, right? Um, And so it, it kind of is interesting to think about you know, what are these, what, what is showing up for me right now when you change roles, right? When you change responsibilities, sometimes you'll use different muscles. And so it can be just like a helpful mirror to look in and think about, okay, well, what am I doing right? How can I use these? These are all strengths, right? And, and they all can help us get there. It just is thinking, knowing myself is one of our most powerful tools as a leader. When you know who you are, then you can look at any challenge ahead of you. And so that's one of the reasons that in all of my work, even my consulting, my executive coaching, we usually do a strength assessment because it helps me to know them. It helps them know themselves. And then they have the kind of the power, the superpower that helps them in all situations, right? Is that self-knowledge? Yeah. So is there any kind of common thread among leaders? Is there, is there, are there any results like that that you can share with us that you kind of have, you, I mean, you've done yeah. so much of this. What's the I mean, possibility? I would say, I think that like from a Gallup has done the research on like the millions of people and they yeah. are... You know, it's like, they're basically like, we're not going to do a profile for anyone. Now, look, if you've got people who are leading think tanks and large organizations, they likely do have a lot of strategic, uh, you know, in, the, in that green bucket of strategic thinking, because that is part of what those roles require. When you look at leaders at more small community-based organizations, they may have a lot of relationship building because it's about the web of networks in that relationship. And so part of it is about 
Um, it's not about a leader always has X. It's also about, well, where is the organization at? What What is really already at the table? And then, you know, matching that with a person who has those strengths so that they can use them. Um, I see anecdotally, I do see a lot of achievers. Um, I do see a lot of folks who have strategic, right? I work mostly with CEOs, executive directors. Um, responsibility is an interesting one. I don't see it all the time. But responsibility, I always talk about is a strength that is like, all of them are double-edged swords. They all have light and shadow, right? And sometimes we see the shadows of our top three so much more easily. But responsibility has a psychological ownership that is unbelievably strong. So people love having responsibility on their team. You want responsibility on the PTA, you want responsibility on, because once the responsibility strength says they will do something, they will do it. I coached a woman. She lives in a small town in Massachusetts. She works for a private school there and she was the room mom. And she told them she would get green balloons for a party because they were doing something with this. She went to the store, no green balloons. She went to the other store in town, no green balloons. She drove 45 minutes yeah. to get oh, green yeah. balloons. I'd be in the car with her for right. sure. Right. Yep, exactly. that would be me. Many other people would be like, there's no green, here's blue. There you go. Have a great time. Right? <laughs> but she's responsibility. And so I talk a lot with responsibility strength also about, hey, be careful what you sign on to. Give yourself 24 hours to think about it. Because once you say yes and commit, you will not stop in any way. And so it, it, that, that train has already started moving. So just be really thoughtful and mindful about what you're committing to because you will go the distance, which is one of the reasons people love you and appreciate you and one of the great strengths you bring. But also like, let's protect your own interest here, right? You don't need to be driving two hours for green balloons. <laughs> oh, I would drive two hours. For green. If I said I was getting you green balloons, gosh right. darn it. Like no right. isn't in my world, you know? I, right, right. I, I committed. I did this. It's like the psychological ownership. And so it is, but that can also oh, be a so burden. All these strengths, right? It's strength oh, and a burden. Gosh, Beth, I could spend <laughs> hours with you. You know, I we're kind of running out of time, but you're just so fascinating. Um, um, with what you do. I mean, it, it's not enough to just take the test. You really, you really need to interpret it and then layer it with your peers and your coworkers, um, to, you know, to understand that dynamic. I think that's what you bring to the table. It's just so fascinating. But can you share with us, um, what else can we find with the work that you do at, um, Beth Napleton Consulting? Like, what else can we use you for, Beth? We want to. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, what was that word? Coach Sultan. I'm a coach Sultan. <laughs> what else do you do? I'm so fascinated now. Yeah, absolutely. So I do a lot of Gallup Strengths Finding and PD and work with folks. I do individual executive coaching. And then Coach Sultan is where I combine what you think of as consultant, which is that they do the work for you. They prepare the agendas. They're doing all the kind of heavy lifting, which often leaders need when they're feeling really stretched. And then I also, we put together a plan and then I coach you through implementing it. So for example... If the board is not super functional, we'll put together a plan. I'll do an assessment. We'll get the current state. We'll, we'll align on a way forward. And then I'll work with you and say, great, now we've got the relaunch meeting. Here's the PD deck. Here's the talking points. Here's this piece. Oh, this person was grumpy guff like we thought he might be. Here's what we're going to do on it. So I think that what's nice is that I can do it for everything with team culture, adults, board, you know, like people come to me and, and can book a call on my website and say, like, here's a problem I'm having. And I think that often, it's that outside expertise, that outside capacity that can come in and help build a good enough plan, I call it. And then the coach in me likes to help you see it through to implementation because I always say, not just a consultant, because I got plenty of decks from consultants when I led a charter school network and they were great, but I went to step one and it fell apart, right? And yeah. so then it's like, okay, yeah. I, I had a roadblock with step one. Now what do I do? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Whereas yes. I have a plan and then it's like, let's get to, let's, let's do some momentum. Let's get to step seven together. And then you'll start to start to take on life of its own. So I like the coaching through as well. 
So yeah, I, I, people can find me at my website, bethnapleton.com. And I've got some blogs and videos and all kinds of things. But yeah. I will say- oh, we're going to get that all on the show notes for sure. My number three strength is positivity. So I think it actually really explains how I see the good, right? I naturally go to the good. I naturally go to the assets. And I think it is Ugh. like, oh, right. No wonder I'm a Gallup strength coach. Like this is a natural fit for how positivity I view the world. Positivity so, is 16 yeah. for me. I guess that's not too far down. Um, <laughs> See, you're doing whatever. I know, doing I know. And then people say, shouldn't I be more positive? I thought I was more positive. I try to be more positive. And it's like, look, this is one one piece of the puzzle of who yeah. you are as a person, right? It just may mean you might, be a, you might be the most positive person everyone around you knows, but these other things just grow to the top more strongly, right? right. And that's okay. And they're wonderful strengths. You talking. have a great... A great We're problem. talking about the strengths. It's not the weak assessment. <laughs> it's the strength assessment. Exactly, exactly. So fun. So, so, so fun. Well, we're going to have to check in with you again. I mean, I have to go back to all the fearless fundraisers out there. They're really wearing so many hats. And yes. They're not just leading, you know, their team. Um, they are leading, you know, volunteers and community and donors yes. and board of directors. And it, they're, they, they really should understand where they shine and tap into that um, so they can shine brighter because they have such important missions to move forward. And, um, you know, this doesn't sound like you should take it, it doesn't sound at first at first mention that this is something you should take time out of your day to do. But but for sure, you got to do it because you certainly will be a little bit more effective and productive. And then you know who you need to surround yourself with to make sure you're filling all those four buckets. So a hundred percent, a hundred percent, a few hours on this saves you hundreds of hours later and also helps you. Hey, you're you know organizing the big volunteer day. You might hate getting up and talking to strangers but somebody on your team is a woo and they love converting strangers to friends and you can there you go. and say you intro the day so all of a sudden you enjoy the event a whole lot more because you're not the one who's up there you know giving your little speech you're able to really use the team of your teammates and both of you leave feeling satisfied which is really yeah. exciting so exciting well you've been just a just a breath of fresh air this has been a fun fun episode i wish we can talk for a couple more hours but we're just going to have yeah. to have <laughs> Yes. We'll stop. I and would love to come back. This has been a blast. We have to do like version 2.0. We'll get Angie to join us because yes, I'll, be so I'll just sit back and say nothing. I'll <laughs> let the two of you go back and forth. It'll be so much fun. Well, fearless fundraisers, you heard it. Go take your Clifton strength assessment. You're going to want to do that to be a more effective leader. I wish we could talk more with Beth, but that's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Raise Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Please tune in for a new episode release every Thursday, 1230 p.m. In the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. And as I mentioned, follow any channel. We're on all of them. And this way you can get all those notifications about new guests. Um, and to all the fearless fundraisers out there, you are doing amazing things. Uh, thank you for what you do for building better tomorrows. If you'd like to appear on the show, just hit me up. Hello at onecause.com. We'd love to feature your mission. So I'd like to thank our sponsor, OneCause, for making this episode possible. OneCause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use digital fundraising solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Check it out at OneCause.com and visit the resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of free content that hopefully you'll find helpful. Well, a huge shout out again to my guest, 
Beth Napleton, where you're going to have all of her information on the show notes, because I know you're all going to want to reach out and get your Clifton Strength Assessment done and analyzed and better your your fundraising and your leadership and that of your team. Beth, thank you again so much for joining. This was so much fun, but I got to ask you any last words of inspiration for all of our audience out there. Yes. I was thinking one thing I used to say all the time to my team, when you're thinking about these big audacious goals and how do you go about and do this? And I, I, it almost became such a cliche, but it's so true is I would say to them, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? It's those small steps day by day that allow you to reach those audacious goals. So I know there's a lot of fundraisers out there looking towards really audacious goals and it's just dig it away one bite at a time. So that's you know, I've, I've heard that before, but it's been a long time. Thank you for reminding. I think that sums it up perfectly for all the uh, fundraisers and fundraising leaders out there because they do have very audacious goals and yep. Take a bite at a time. Beth, please come back and join us. I can't wait to tell Angie all about our episode. She's going to be delighted. And thanks for what you do. We're going to put all your contact information in the show notes if that's okay with you. And I would love it. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thank you again so much. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Race Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there. 